Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khan Wolshansky. I'm a mom of 410, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Welcome back, Mike Michalowicz. I'm so honored to have you back here on the show. We connected just a couple of years ago on your amazing books, uh, Fix This Next. It's always a tongue twister for me. I don't know why. <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone. Okay. I don't know why. It's very simple words, but every single time I like, I can't, I can't manage to get it out. And so when I heard about this new book that came out, Get Different, Marketing That Can't Be Ignored, the first thing I thought about, I'm like, Mike writing a book about marketing, like your books are on profit first, on run like clockwork on these things. So I really want to start off with that. Like why this book and why now in this season of 2021 and just what's going on in the world? Yeah. So, you know, all my books have been very systems oriented, a system for profit, a system to find challenges in your business, a system to run more efficiently. And I've over the last few years in particular, but for quite a while now, I've been asking audiences when I speak, you know, it used to be on stage. Now it's virtually what's your source of business. Like what's your lead flow from? And I heard this common refrain that I generate my leads from client referrals and people rightfully. So were mostly saying, you know, 50%, 80%, 100% of my leads come from other clients. And I say, like, Oh, this is remarkable. And then it's like, Oh, there's a problem in this. If that we are dependent upon our clients to refer us, we're at the whim of our clients taking that action. So we can have these ups and downs. And that was the other element I heard is many of these businesses that depend on client referrals, it's, it's, you're flying high one day and you are in this death spiral the next day. So how do we throttle our lead flow? How do we control that? What's the system for that? So this book, Get Different, is about creating a marketing system Mm -hmm. that brings in a consistent flow of leads. And when we want to turn it up the heat and throttle more in, we can. And in the circumstances where we don't want to, we don't have to, but how to take control of our own lead flow. That, that's why I wrote it. And and why now is because more than ever, we need predictability. I mean, just the world's circumstances are so unpredictable. Sadly, some businesses can't even hire people. You, you know, So there are circumstances where we want to be able to manage that flow when I have resources and slow it down when I don't. 
it all starts off with marketing. That's that's why I brought it out now. I, I love it. And just tying back to your mission, which you really write in every single book, which is eradicating entrepreneurial poverty. Talk to me like and, and again, I understand why marketing is obviously is tied to that. But I'm, I'm curious to hear from you how the two really come together when a person really adopts this mindset of getting different in their marketing strategy, which we'll go into your approach to it. How is that one of the gateways um, to eradicating entrepreneurial poverty within their own businesses and themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it's what I found is that getting different in our marketing is not the typical approach. The typical approach to marketing is the best practice. And uh, it's common if you talk to other folks in your industry to, to share best practices and best practices are wonderful mm-hmm. for all facets of business, except for marketing. Because the second we do the best practice marketing that everyone else is doing, it becomes saturated in the market. Um, You know, if you have a best practice for hiring people, I should use that. That will serve me. A best practice for efficiency, I should use that. But the second there's a best practice for marketing, it becomes what's called habituated. Habituation is a wiring of all humans that when we see a stimulus that we will qualify as relevant or irrelevant. Relevant is threat or opportunity. Irrelevant is everything else that doesn't serve us. And a classic example of this is I received an email. I know you got to, but I don't know how many years ago. It started off with the words, hey, friend. And at first when I saw it, I was like, oh, my gosh, who is this friend that mm-hmm. is so friendly to me? Like, who's this friendly friend? <laughs> and I started to read this. I'm like, oh, this is not a friend. This is far from a friend. This is a marketing message that's irrelevant and distracting. Sure. An hour later, a day later, I don't know, another hey, friend came in. And my mind already had become habituated. It was like, likely not relevant. I only skimmed it and it wasn't. I've never read one of the thousands of Hey Friends I've gotten ever since then. And I never will. Wow. That's the challenge. And but this is true for all marketing. Sure, sure. Is our prospect base, if it, if, it, if it hears a message that's not relevant and hears the exact same message again, it's going to ignore it. We have to break through that, that propensity to ignore by doing something that's different. That, that's that's why I wrote this book. Yeah. So it's interesting because you were talking about like best practices around hiring. I actually think hiring is a component of marketing because True. we're kind of all vying for, you know, especially in childcare. You know, this podcast is all about schools of excellence, all yep. about building sustainable schools. And we're in a massive hiring crisis, um, yep. specifically in childcare. People cannot find staff. And so Everyone and I see this. Everyone's vying for the same strategies, right? How do I get this teacher in the door? How do I get this teacher in the door? And so, I'm curious if you see hiring as a similar kind of marketing strategy. What's the first? I, I always think mindset first, right? So when we think of mindset first with hiring as a marketing strategy, how does the owner or the like the business owner, the childcare leader, start to flip their mindset around? I need to be different in my approach and how I'm qualifying and bringing, um, staff into my door. Yeah. So I see that component of hiring absolutely is marketing, right? It's, it's putting the ads out. It's getting the, anything that's getting the word out is marketing. Um, when I said hiring best practices, what, you know, if you have a best practice for evaluating the potential Mm. of a teacher, that practice should copy. But to your point, if, if I copy the same as everyone else, it's going to be invisible to the prospects, particularly the best ones. In, in my own hiring, I found the same thing. So my prior company, we hired technical people, computer-oriented people. And what I noticed is most of the ads said computer expert wanted or some variant of that. Boring. The same. Ours says 
seeking nerd, period. Love Star Wars, so do we, dot, dot, dot. And then the ad began. And just in that title alone, people are like, I've never seen this before. And therefore, it is our wiring to evaluate it. You see, when something new presents itself, we pay attention to it because we don't know if it's an opportunity or a threat, and we have to evaluate it. If, if, if you and I are outside right now having a conversation, and all of a sudden something squiggles in the grass, I guarantee we'll jump back and look at what it is. Because yeah. our mind is saying, don't know what this is. It could be a threat. It's a snake. It could be irrelevant. Someone turned the hose on. Maybe it's an opportunity. But we have to evaluate it. So when it comes to hiring, the marketing component of attracting people, we have to do different. Um, I would suggest if you're if you're using the same platform as everyone else, I call it the same medium. Everyone's using Indeed. Everyone uses, Everyone uses Indeed, yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're using the same medium, meaning that putting another ad on there will not stand out. But putting a using a different method on there would work. Mm. So change the, the headlines significantly. Write your ad radically different. Don't talk about the job at all. Talk about the culture, the experience. Um, yeah. Say... Uh, maybe the ad starts off saying, I love kids and I'm proud to love kids because a lot of people don't. And then you you go on and here's all the remarkable things about kids. And uh, and then at the end say, um, you know, do you want to teach kids? Do you love them as much as we do? Join us. It, it just in my mind, it's triggering an ad that um, this is back from like the 1700s or, or earlier. And I'm going to paraphrase this. Okay. But there was uh, an adventurer who was exploring new territory. And all the ads back then to hire people to work on your boat was like, you know, looking for longshoremen, looking for someone with boating skills. This person says, do you long for the sea? Um, do you thirst for independence? Um, the, do, do you want adventure? Likelihood of return is unlikely. It, it, was, it, it pointed exactly to the exact community who said, oh, my God, this was written right for me and only for me. And they responded. I think we have to have the same fervor in our messaging too, that when mm. the person sees it, it's not just another one. Right? Finally, I found the one that was written just for me. That's different. That's why I think it would be effective. I think you're sharing such a powerful point here for leaders. Like, because if you think about the people that stay, they're staying for the culture, right? They're not staying totally. for their six figure salary, which you're not giving them, right? They're staying for the culture, the community, their love for children, their yeah, buying the impact. Them. Yeah. Exactly. And so what if that was the headline? What if that was the messaging and positioning? Like, like Mike sharing, I think this is such a great strategy just to start off with. Um, so the book is, is full of just so many different um, examples around um, how people have really done things differently. So one of the stories that really stood out to me was in one of your final strategies, the advantage disadvantage. Um, and you talk about the painted baby story. And I know you tell stories a lot better than I do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you tell that story. And just um, and the reason I picked that one is because I probably get three times a week people saying, someone left a bad review for me. Someone did this. Right, right, someone right, right. Did that. All these reviews. And I think this is such a powerful way to flip the bad review or the bad stories around. So would love if you can share that story and just, you know, what, what the advantages advantage is about. The concept of the disadvantage advantage is that there's certain true weaknesses that we all have, and our competition may even lean into that and use that against us. But could you imagine a company starts off and says, here's why we suck? We'd be like, <laughs> what? Who, what company says this? And then they speak a, a truthful evaluation of where they've fallen short. At the same time, then they're given an opportunity to show how they stand out. Mm. It speaks to a whole new level of integrity. Well, that's what this guy did. His name is Matt Schaub. 
He owns a company as a painting company, paint homes. And uh, one, you know, his approach always has been, this is back probably almost pre-internet too. They were doing brochures and stuff, but now on the internet, you have all the testimonials of great paint job. Everything's amazing. Well, they had one instance where they were painting a house and uh, the, the painter himself was using a spray gun. He loaded a cartridge to paint this one wall or something. I think it was a door in black. As he was about to put on this dark matte black color, the owner of the home, it was a mom, uh, walked out with the baby in her hand to see what was going on and was standing behind the painter and the painter didn't know it. He pulls the trigger on the, on the paint gun and it had jammed, which rarely happens, but it does. It caused it to explode in paint. Well, paint got all over the house. It got all over the painter, but it got all over the mom and the baby. They painted a baby matte black. And what Matt's response was in the immediate circumstance was to immediately care for the homeowner, ensure mm-hmm. that no one's health was compromised. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after this accident, they made uh, an effort to, to salvage the relationship and serve the client extraordinarily well, which they did. But the normal consequence or action is to deep six a story like that, to never tell anyone. And Matt said, no, this is our differentiator. Um, so he wrote in his brochure, it says, we painted a baby black. And so people are like, well, what? It's different. It garners attention. And they went on to say, we're embarrassed, but we had this accident. Here's the facts that happened. And here's how we addressed it. We don't promise perfect. We promise our perfect commitment. We will do anything to resolve problems, but problems may happen. He won trust in this where everyone else is like, well, we're shining stars, five star, five star. He's like, we mess up every so often, but we make sure we fix it. And he won on integrity. He won more business through that one advertorial campaign than anything else he's done before. You're a school leader who wants tools, resources, and just plain strategies of how to really lead your school and build a school of excellence. Well, I created something called the School Leadership Toolkit, which has over 10 resources covering topics like parent-teacher relationships, difficult conversation, teacher appreciation ideas, and time management along with to-do list management. Some of the things that you get in the School Leadership Toolkit is how to lead parent-teacher conferences. This is a masterclass training and to show your staff so that they can lead conferences with ease. We have a parent partnership blueprint, which is the step-by-step formula for authentic parent relationships. I have a training on how to get your to-do list done and how to create your calendar for one-on-one meetings with staff. I have tools on how to filter distractions so that you can make the best decisions and reflective questions to ask teachers for goal setting and performance reviews, along with so much more. This mini toolkit is actually just the thing that you need to kick off this amazing school year and give you the confidence and the ability to trust your decision-making as you head into another amazing year. Go check it out, the link in the show notes, or go to hani.me slash toolkit. I read the example so many times because I, even as I'm reading it, I'm like, how can I even put that into my business? Like, I think there's so much vulnerability that comes with sharing a mistake like that. Like, is that going to be used against me? Will people use that as ammunition? They could, but I guess I'd love to hear from you some, some practical examples when we think of childcare, right? Where mistakes happen, right? Babies fall, kids get hurt, biting, um, at, like, um, like there's eating crayons. <laughs> so crayons. my wife, she worked yeah. in the childcare industry for about 10 years. Okay. Uh, my son worked part-time in a place. They lost a child. They lost a child. 
And uh, it wasn't like the child was uh, abducted. Uh, it wasn't like anything happened. Just there was three teachers, 15 children, and one child ran off the, the, the playground. And they found him 10 minutes later. But there was 10 minutes of sheer panic. And the response is, you never lose a child. Deep six this. Terminate anyone. You know, do all this drastic stuff. But a bold and appropriate opportunity is to say, we lost a child. But here's what we did and the actions we took. And we've taken measures to improve upon this. And what this shows is when you see something like that, as a parent's considering the different, you know, the different schools or uh, facilities they can go to, maybe they're not the only ones that lost a child. Maybe other ones haven't. Maybe they're hiding something. What else are they hiding? The fact that you put out that mistake out there in that way just shows that you're truthful and that you're using it to improve. So I think that's a powerful thing. It's also a technique called inoculation. And this was documented, not in my book, but there's a book by the Heath brothers, Dan Chip Heath. I think it's called um, Made the Stick or Decisive, one, one of their books. Mm-hmm. But what they found is, is when it comes to advertising, if you put in a, a mistake, an honest mistake or problem, that should that happen in the future, the, the reader of that advertisement has now been inoculated for that problem. So you can say, uh, bite, you know, we had a biting incident. <laughs> And um, my wife's experience is more, I, you know, you a little inside track. It's like, holy shit, there's kids eating crayons. There, there's kids biting each other. Like, mm-hmm. like it sounds like an insane asylum, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but to parents from the outside, it's like, my child's perfect. They're not everybody. Just, you know, my child's perfect. And I expect <laughs> a perfect school. Um, and the second they have a problem, it yeah. is, it is a lawsuit. It is, yeah. it is, it is, uh, you know, raise the pitchforks and, and start a fire. But the school that's willing to inoculate and say, we strive for, for an extraordinary experience, but we realize we're dealing with humans that are just little you know, small humans with undeveloped minds. We have had biting incidents. We've had kids eat crayons. We've had this, but here's how we deal with it. There, that when it happens for one of those parents now, it's not a fire and brimstone. Like, okay, the school's had this before. I was apprised of this. This isn't the first time and they know what's coming. You'll actually have a much more reasonable parent just by marketing, advertising, honestly. Oh, and and my last thing. Yeah. In the research done by Dan and Chip Heath, it didn't curtail consumers. When you put the ugly out there, it's like, oh my God, but no one's going to do business with me. That's what we're afraid of. No, people were grateful. They said it didn't increase business. It didn't decrease business, but business stayed the same. It was just after the fact, the problems were nothing compared to the people that are expecting perfection. It's so powerful because it's such a nuance into education to the prospect, right? Of like, hey, these are the things you can anticipate when you come here. And I think it's such a service to the family, specifically in the childcare industry, of educating parents on developmentally appropriate practice. Many parents come, this is their first child. They actually have absolutely no idea that it's appropriate for kids to bite or eat crayons. And they get horrified that their child is the crazy one. No, your child's just like every other kid who also does all these things. So I think it assures a lot of fears as well. Let's go back to where you originally started. We were talking about how, you know, people were raising their hands in the audience at like 50%, 80%, 100% of my, um, you know, business comes from referrals. And you're talking about in this book, how uh, like the, the, I think it's the six steps of how um, to create a consistent deal um, lead flow because referrals are very powerful, right? And we all want more referrals. I guess there's so many strategies here. And for for the purpose of time, I want to kind of dial in on on some of the strong ones of the six. What is one that you 
one or two that you find particularly helpful when you're upgrading someone's mindset around getting out of everything is word of mouth, everything is referrals for me, right? Someone who really needs to just get out of that mind frame. Yeah. So, so the first thing is to frame what referrals are. Referrals are awesome. And it's a great compliment to your competency. Mm-hmm. When, when, a, when a customer says, I like this school so much, I'm going to refer a friend of mine, a trusted friend to this school. That is the ultimate compliment. So I, I consider that the icing on the cake, but mm-hmm. it's not the cake because that you, you can encourage, you can't control. Mm-hmm. See, marketing, you can control direct marketing. I, I can say today, I am sending out to 10,000 prospects this message. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't say today 10,000 customers are going to refer me business. I can encourage that, but mm-hmm. I don't have the direct control over it. So recognize what it is and be appreciative of it, but don't see it as an exclusive source. That's number one. Mm-hmm. The second thing is in any communication, this is for referrals or otherwise, we need to have reasonable asks. I see people say, hey, um, you know, send us a referral. We'll give you a $5 off our ne- your next visit. And uh, it's like, Really, is it is this is this trade really worth the five dollar coupon or whatever whatever the trade off is? Yeah, it, it, it's made it very transactional. And a, another approach, which is much more reasonable and safe, is simply reaching out to a, a prospect and saying, "How are we serving you? Are you having an extraordinary experience?" And uh, they may say yes or no, and now you have a dialogue with them. And when they say yes, extraordinary experience, saying, "I want to gauge how how extraordinary it is." Are we serving you at a level where if an opportunity presents itself, you would tell other people about us? Uh, and they say, yes. You know what you've done now? You've primed the pump. You're not saying, hey, give me five of your best friends now. I need the business. You're simply saying, when the opportunity presents itself, would you refer us? Are we providing that level? And if the customer says no, then you can ask, well, what do I need to do to get to that level? Is mm-hmm. a much more reasonable transaction. So m- many people fail in marketing. They, they go to an unreasonable extreme. I'll give you an example outside the industry because sometimes we get a better perspective. Sure, sure. Say, say I sold car. You're looking for a car. I sell cars. Okay. Come to the lot. I attract you to come in there somehow. And, and uh, maybe I have that little flappy guy out front. And you're like, oh, that's a car sales guy. I'll, I'll go in here. And then I say to you, hey, why don't you give me you know, $50,000 and we're going to find your dream car? That's unreasonable. You'd be like, what? But if I said, hey, um, would you give me your cell number? I can text you pictures of inventory that matches what we think might be your dream car, would you do that? That's a reasonable ask. And now we've moved closer to the ultimate transaction that we're both pursuing is finding you the car that suits you. And I get the commission for my sale. It, it's these unreasonable steps that, that hurt us. So in any of the marketing you do, you have to get noticed. It has to be compelling to the audience, but it has to be a reasonable ask. Sometimes we'll go for the final transaction. You know, for your school, it may be just getting the parents come in. Maybe, maybe an, an open visit day, mm-hmm. uh, where parents get to talk to parents uh, is is big, you know. Maybe it's it, it's it's meet meet a parent that went through a difficult transition with your school, or doing a video with them and saying, you know, my, my child came in and the first day they bit a child, then they ate a crayon, and then they sweared, <laughs> like the, the trifecta of horror. Uh, and I didn't even know, you know, this seven year old knew how to swear. Um, and here's how the school helped me navigate this, and now people can relate to that. You can do things that are reasonable builds to the ultimate transaction. I think the mistake is right going for the the, the sale right on the spot. We got to often build that rapport. Why do many humans um, go for the sale right away? Why, why, as human nature, many of us pull towards that, and we kind of have to be taught and trained to like make our ask a little bit more reasonable in that way. Where where does some of that come from? Yeah, I, I think the big thing is we we don't 
know the, how little the customer knows. So I know everything about my school. I know everything. Sure. I know to, to the T, I, I can find where the, where the glue is like this. You know, ask a customer to come in and, and know anything about your business and they won't. But because I know so much, I have a bias assuming they would know anything. Why wouldn't they want to do business with me? We're great. So I'm like, do business with us. We're fantastic. But it has to be this transfer of knowledge, which actually results in a transfer of trust. Sure. So the first step is to understand, you know, where is the customer uh, at, at the stage? They know nothing about childcare. This is their first child. Uh, you know, they, they think a, a kid is exposed to uh, another kid that bites them. That could result in in an immediate death. Like they, they have no concept. Like that's kind of how this yeah. goes. Right? Yeah. So, so there's this educational process, this transfer, we need to transfer the knowledge to them so that they feel comfortable in the transaction. They have enough knowledge to make a decision. Um, the other thing too, is we do it too much, too fast. It's called the show up and throw up. So I've seen people through their marketing efforts and sales efforts, just jump on information. Like everything you know about your business today, could you imagine you had 24 hours, not, not the lifetime you've had your business, 24 hours to get to the level where you are today. Everything is packed in. Would you be able to grasp it? And the answer is absolutely not. Sure. It takes time to understand, to hear things repeatedly, to mature and grow into it. The same thing is with our client and our prospect. We have to drip information to them, not just because it's smaller pieces, but we also have to give them the time to really absorb certain things. And when I say a drip, maybe, maybe they can be dripped over 24 hours and be persuaded. Um, but, but that show up and throw up mentality often just overwhelms. And the best thing when you're overwhelmed is to avoid. So we do nothing. We walk away. Yeah. So we have time for one more kind of point here in the book. And um, I'd love if you can talk to direct for results. I think from all of them, again, that that's another one that just really stood with me. And so would love to hear what, what is that? What does that look like direct for results? And um, how does that, how can we make that practical for our childcare leaders? Yeah. So, so there's three elements I found that make marketing successful. And if you miss any one of the three, you're out. So one is differentiate. You got to stand out, get noticed. Don't do that same Indeed ad as everyone else is because it's just the same Indeed ad. Second thing, it needs to be attractive, meaning when people see this, does it speak to me? But the last part, the direct, is what action should I take now? It must be specific and reasonable. So if you said, you know, here's my Indeed ad, which is a form of marketing, and uh, once you read this ad, you can come visit our our school anytime you want. You could uh, send us your resume via email. You could mail it to us call our office. Um, you can send smoke signals, like whatever you prefer. The more variety, the more confusing it is. So it's less likely I'm going to receive it because I have to look for smoke signals and people visiting the office. But sure. also the, the person's overwhelmed with choice and they'll say, let me think about what I'm going to do. And that means they're not going to take it. If I bring it down to a singular action, you must send your resume by certified mail or something. Um, now the customer can make one choice or the, in this case, the job applicant. Do it or not do it, but they know what to do. So they're not confused by choice. They can simply choose not to do or do. So we always have to have a directive and it has to be reasonable. If we overwhelm them, then it's better to wait. And we talked about the car example. If I ask you for $50,000 up front, we'll find your car. It's too much. If I get your cell number, I'm closer to the transaction, but there's comfort in that transaction. It's reasonable. What I think is so unfortunate is when we gauge marketing, I think for many small businesses, myself, I know I look at the big companies and say, oh, that's good marketing or not. So I look at the Super Bowl ads. I see that Clydesdale clapping around. I see snowflakes coming down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a good ad. But in fact, it's not. They're, they're good in that they're different. They're unique and fresh. Every Super Bowl, it's a fresh one. So that means it's different. 
it's it's attractive in that, oh, it's a story that I kind of want to insert myself into and live in that little sleepy town. That's amazing. But there's no direct. At the end, I wish Budweiser would say, scan this QR code on your TV or email us at this website. And in return, we'll give you a coupon for your 12 pack of, of beer. Yeah. They mm-hmm. would get hundreds of thousands of, of new prospects. The thing is a small business, we can't afford to skip that step. Maybe Budweiser can. They, they got a hundreds of millions of dollars of marketing budget that says, you know, when you're in the beer store or whatever, we just want you to think of us. Mm-hmm. We don't have this. You know, when, when you're thinking of schools, we hope, you know, you'll think of us. No, no. We got one, maybe two shots at this. So at, at the end of every single one, have a reasonable directive. And, and maybe it's not like visit my school or apply now. That may be too much, but maybe it's learn the 10 reasons or 10 ways to pick the best school for your child. And you give a free report in exchange for an email. And now I've taken one step closer to the ultimate transaction. I have your permission to continue to market to you. And I will small, reasonable steps. That's what a directive is. Yeah. I, I love that one. Again, just in, it's the small invitation because the bottom line is there's infinite choices for them right. Like even in small towns. Like sometimes you think you're the only school you're not, there's a school down the block, there's a school across the street. Like there's the uncle, all- there's the you know, aunt Sue, you know, uncle Bob, yeah. like there's all these different resources for sure. We yeah. have to engage them when we have their attention in a way that they feel reasonable and keep on moving them closer. Let me, let me add this point too, yeah. is when people hear about this marketing and being different, so many people are saying, but I don't want to be bothersome. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be that icky person. And uh, that's not what marketing is. I, I preface it with this question that I ask people, I and mean, we can say it rhetorically, but do yeah. you believe what you offer your school is better than the alternatives. Is it better than Aunt Sue? Is it better than the competition down the street in, in, in one way or, or maybe multiple ways? Sure. And, and I'll tell you this. I think for your, your listeners, it absolutely is. Uh, you're clearly interested in improving your school because you're listening to this podcast right now. So yeah. clearly there's something, probably many things you're doing that's better than the competition. And if that's true, and I think it is, that means it is the kindest act to market. Because if you're prospects never even hear of you, if you aren't noticed and they go with the alternative, it's of disservice to them. So marketing is not icky or bothersome. It's actually kind. It is our responsibility to serve by getting noticed. So you have to market. I love that. It's such a beautiful way to close here. Mike, when does this book come out? Where can people go to purchase this book to find out more about you and just your other books and the incredible work that your team is doing? So the book is launching September 21st. Uh, it, that's As oh. we're recording this, it's yeah. imminent. So yes. uh, folks listening in, it may have just passed or not. The, the yeah. place to go is to go to gogetdifferent.com. So the book title is Get Different, but go to mm-hmm. gogetdifferent.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has all the information about this book. Here's what I like about the site. There's free resources. Um, I will ask for your email address, right? That's a directive. But here's what I like about the free resources. Among other things, there's a hundred different ways to start marketing differently today that cost nothing or very little. You don't even need the book to do it. It's just quick tips on how to get started on different experiments. And I think they'll serve you. I know they will. Fabulous. And we'll have all those links inside the show notes here for all of you. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your continued service to entrepreneurs, to leaders, just globally and continuing to share your knowledge um, and really helping entrepreneurs. It's just, it's forever, forever grateful. So thank you for your work. Well, this is a joy. Thanks for having me. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. 
One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.